Welcome to another episode of Nerds Amalgamated. I'm the Professor and my co-host is, as always, the DJ. How are you going, DJ? I'm going good, I'm going good. What a lovely week it has been. It's been a bit warm. Yeah. yeah. Got up to like 25 the other day. I'm not liking it. (laughs) Ah, springtime. What could possibly go wrong? Well, the pollen. (laughs) Ah, I wonder how many um ca- how many hay fever cases are going to be mistaken as COVID cases. I hope none. <laughs> We're going to see a lot of tissue papers going out the door and a lot of hay fever me- hay fever meds. Yes, you'll have to report back to us in two weeks from your position as checkout chick. <laughs> Gee, thanks to th- thanks for revealing my secret identity. <laughs> You could be at Woolies. You could be at Coles. You could be at Audi. <laughs> you could be any one of us. <laughs> See, that makes it even more like apparent. <laughs> like, well, you know, I'm open about being an IT guy, and do you think there's more IT guys than checkout chicks? I'm thinking maybe not, but <laughs> I could be dead wrong on that one. All right, well, starting off with our science topic this week, what do you do with your orange peels, DJ? Uh, I threw it out to the yard as a compost. Not bad, not bad. I mean, if I had compost, I'd do that, but um, I don't. But here's a new uh, technique. You can use orange peel to recycle lithium-ion batteries. Oh. So the exact same kind of battery that you find in your e-scooters or your electric cars once they're degraded they're pretty useless but you take them break them down into black mass and add orange peel which creates a solution that can then be converted back into fresh batteries so in other words this um this thing could help solve a lot of uh, acid problems when it comes to leaking batteries ah i don't think that's as much of an issue with lithium ions. I'm not even sure lithium ions have an acid in them. I know they have fire in them. You ever tried to open one up? No. I don't want to think about that prospect. Yeah. Actually, there's a video on Big Clive's YouTube channel where he opens up a battery and um, it catches fire, as expected. Hang on a second. So it's a rechargeable battery. Uh Chemistry performance, so it's lithium polymer batteries. Uh, don't think they say anything about acids, but yeah. Okay, yeah, acid is mostly an older style battery, yeah. a single-use alkaline. Actually, an alkaline battery. Is saying acid for a standard like AA alkaline incorrect? Uh, probably. Because um, like car batteries are lead acid, but the um, my other batteries are like. Uh, alkaline so do they actually contain an acid or is it that they're mostly alkaline um looking at the chemistry side of things uh, primary zinc uh carbon which are dry cell AA batteries have 400 to 900 milliampere milliampere hours capacity uh, uh there are multiple mm. chemistries nickel uh, cadmium 
nickel metal hydrate yeah. and lithium yeah. ion. Most modern rechargeables are either a lithium chemistry or a nickel metal hydride, I think. Yeah. Nickel me- uh nick I'm just looking at the the nickel metal hydrides. Which um I made a mistake. The big ply video isn't for a lithium battery. He okay. dissects some uh nickel metal hydrides. Okay. Yeah, I'm not sure why um why lithium batteries don't come in triple A format or double A format. The most common is an eighteen six fifty, which is quite a bit bigger. And that's standard in laptop batteries. So there's literally tons of these and Wait, do you, do you, um, did you just say about the AA little lithium batteries? Yeah. Yeah, there are there are AA lithium batteries. Okay. Yeah. My mistake then. Oh, good. Hmm. Yeah, they just seem to most commonly come in 18650, which uh, is actually an abbreviation for the dimensions of the battery. Yeah. So anyway, you can use the um, orange peel to recycle these, which is nuts. <laughs> And they reckon they can get up to 99% leaching efficiency of nickel, magnesium, cobalt, and lithium from the black mass. Can you imagine this being a survival a survivor skill um, hack? Just like, in case your torch batteries are dying, use an orange peel! Well, I don't think you're going to have the industrial equipment to crush your battery, mix it with the orange peel, separate out the uh, constituent elements, and then reform a new battery. But look, if you want to try that, be my guest. <laughs> so this is uh, environmentally safe as well. The remnants of the process have uh, have negligible cytotoxicity. So, so in other words, they're not um, harmful to to natural objects. Yeah, not harmful to human life, at, at least. Yeah, there must be some downsides to this, though. I mean. Like even though like this this thing is a good idea, there has to be a there has to be like a catch to this. So I mean, yes. What is the the catch? I can't figure it out <laughs> because looking at the um, bits of the paper that I can see here, uh, which I realize now is only like five of the pages. Does it have the entire paper? It looks like it does. No, you need to log in and everything. Okay. Huh. Paywall. Um, <laughs> Paywall. Yeah, it's pretty standard. But these new batteries come out with com- comparable performance to commercial, uh, they call them LCO, so lithium cobalt oxygen. Standard lithium batteries contain a small amount of cobalt, which is the tricky one to get. So lithium's fairly common and easy to, to mine compared to cobalt. And there's a lot of concern about child slaves working in cobalt mines in Africa. Yeah. So cutting, you know, African warlords out of the picture, I'm all for that. <laughs> you know, Coney 2012. <laughs> Boy, that was a th- that fizzled out so badly, though. <laughs> yeah, hopefully this time this will make a difference. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fat chance that will ever happen. Yeah, so I guess the tricky part is growing enough oranges. I don't know what else you use oranges for, apart like I think you could probably process the skin to get pectin. I think, yeah, because uh, marmalades and jams are made with the peel. Yeah, 
I found something interesting. So in the lab experiments, the team found that their approach successfully extracted around 90% of cobalt, lithium, nickel, and manganese from spent lithium-ion batteries. So it's a comparable efficient, um, efficacy to the approach using hydrogen peroxide. And uh, one of the scientists explained that the key lies in the cellulose found in orange peels, which is converted into sugars under heat during the extraction process. These okay. Oh, sorry. Um, so it's sugar. Could we then mix this with a bunch of sugar cane and make batteries out of sugar cane and old batteries? I think it could. It depends on like the chemical structure of sugar cane. Like it, a chemical structure of sugar cane would be totally different to a chemical structure of of orange peel. I mean, yeah, sugar cane is um, is sucrose. So it would depend on whether the orange peel. Uh, what did they say it was made? Cellulose, yeah. which they said converts into other sugars. So I'm not up on my sugar chemistry enough to uh, to really say with any certainty there. Yeah, um, they're also saying that these sugars enhance the recovery of the metals from battery waste. Naturally occurring antioxidants found in orange peels, such as flavonoids and phenolic acids, can have contributed to the um, to this enhancement as well. Sure, uh, so it's not just the uh, the orange peel, like the cellulose, the sugar. It's also the antioxidants. They're not just good for stopping cancer. <laughs> Here's the orange juice, the uh, the the solution to life's problems. <laughs> Move over, <Apparently> so. <laughs> so, um, what else? Are Look, they- DJ, do you have a problem? Do we need to talk? I'm here for you, man. <laughs> Yes, let's go to the nearest boost bar. <laughs> Help, I'm addicted to oranges. <laughs> you just that you remember that meme from like ten years ago now of the guy holding the limes and he's like, <laughs> Why can't I hold all these limes? <laughs> Vaguely, but I think I do. <laughs> Oh, that's gonna be act- that's gonna be funny as well. Like, imagine the other, me- imagine the um, besides orange juice, would be like, what if we try lime? What if we try um? Well, it's a peel, but that does make sense. Uh, other citrus fruits probably have a similar composition. Yeah, they're saying this is the uh, most efficient way, practically feasible for recycling spent lithium-ion batteries in the industrial scent. That's going to be interesting, though. If, imagine you do this in an industrial level. Like, how many orange peels are they going to get? <laughs> like, Yeah, that's the other problem. Can you juice the oranges and then just dump the, the peels into the recycling process? It will also... It, the other interesting thing is, if they market this right, this will be, very, this will be a very good marketing tool to, to help, like, um, kids recycle the fruits and stuff, you know? It's, it'll be... A, the environmental movement will have will have a lot of um like emphasis on this. Yeah, <clears throat> but so the other what else is in our compost bins? Ooh. Like we can use oranges to recycle batteries. Yeah, can we like use um I don't know apple cores to power rockets? <laughs> <laughs> oh, the i uh, the irony of that question would be pretty hilarious. It'd be like Apple now powering rockets to space. <laughs> yes, although uh, the the Crew Dragon capsule runs on Linux, not Apple. So sorry, Steve. 
I think they might have even used Android for some of the functions. Like the um the way they do it, as I understand it, is the there are control panels around the main television with all the critical stuff. But um and that's a, a direct like hardware interrupt. But the television runs Android or just more regular Linux, and then they can run everything from there, falling back to the c- controls if they need to, since yeah. the whole ship is basically computer-controlled anyway. Here's an interesting quote for, uh, from this project. That said, um, here's an interesting quote for you. This waste-to-resource approach could, be poten- could, poten- could also potentially be extended to other types of cellulose rich fruit and vegetable waste, as well as lithium ion battery types such as lithium ion phosphate and lithium nickel manganese cobalt oxide. This would help to great uh, strides towards the new circular economy of e-waste and power our lives in a greener and more sustainable manner. Cool. What's going to be interesting is, could you see this as a substitute for fuel? Like your uh, general car fuel, like imagine orange peel powering up your Tesla. I don't think you understand exactly how it works. So the orange peel doesn't create the power. No, the orange doesn't. peel is the chemical process by which you break down an old battery into the base elements so you can make a new one. Oh, okay. Yeah. So um, a Tesla already runs on these uh, lithium ion 18650s. But um, the when your Tesla is you know ten years old and the battery life has dropped and it's not feasible, you then take the the batteries out, mix them up with the orange peels, and make a new battery bank for a new Tesla <clears throat> or whatever other model of car we're driving in fifteen years. Because I hope we get more electric cars. Yeah. The other interesting thing is like with this with this um revelation. This could also um, decrease the whole metal scarcity situation as well. Like, you know, we always get the whole questions of like, oh, metals are very scarce at the moment. We have to try and save it. Yeah, absolutely. This could solve the problem. Well, not solve, but definitely relieve it. Yeah. So take some of the, um, relieve the, relieve your new, new mineral stream by phasing in some of your recycling stream. And then you don't need to dig as many mines. You can build more battery packs with the amount that you would get out of a mine because you can reuse the old battery packs, which in turn means that you don't need to build as many mines and cause as much environmental degradation. Hopefully. Anyway, that's the theory. It'll be interesting to see how this... um, Because I reckon orange peel is probably cheap. How is this going to add up to uh, a compared to mining all of your brand new lithium and cobalt and everything? How does that compare to making a battery out of the black mass? Yeah, and what's even more crazier is how when the recycling stuff is always energy, it's always an energy extent um expensive. Not always. Aluminium is actually cheaper to recycle than it is to make new aluminium yeah the difficulty is in getting the waste stream into the recycling plant yeah because so if you don't sort your recycling your aluminium just goes to the dump if you um if you live out in the bush and you burn your rubbish that's not getting recycled 
because it's so interesting. You, yeah, oh. you got to make sure you sort your aluminium out, or it, you lose that benefit. Yeah, because I was reading um, further into this part, they're saying that um, the current industrial recycling process of e-waste is very intensive, and emits harmful uh, pollutants and waste. Uh, yeah, to the point actually, where... technically, glass is the most recyclable um, kind of bottle because you can take a glass bottle wash it out with boiling water and reuse it straight away hmm. the issue is it's infeasible if not impossible to reuse broken glass oh yeah and uh you can't um well you gotta ship all the extra weight yeah and uh also as i was saying about the whole energy expensive here's the here's how the spent batteries are conventionally treated they are treated with extreme heat to smelt valuable me- uh, metals, which emits harmful gases, and alternative approaches that use strong acid solutions or weak acid solutions uh, with hydrogen peroxide to extract the metals are being explored, but they produce the secondary pollutants that, pro- um, that pose health and safety risks. Okay. So it'll be interesting. Like, this opens up a new... Um, this could... Well, I could... I could be... Um, singing praises here but this could um like not really revolutionize the um, recycling um industry yeah i hope so especially e-waste because e-waste is nasty and we've been dumping it on poor countries for years yeah yeah but for a a bit of a story about how science can go wrong what's your topic dj (laughs) so netflix um have to, have decided to uh, come out by come out saying that they're going to make a Resident Evil series. Okay. Yeah. How, so, how does that go? Resident Evil is it science going wrong, or did they deliberately make the zombies? I think. Well, if you're looking at it from from the game perspective, I think it is. Uh, it, it's uh, deliberate. But hang on a second. Uh, yes, because the the games and the movies are. Uh, separate continuities aren't they yeah the games and the movies are separate continuities but they're based on of each other yeah i kind of think in t- in, with the elements and stuff but yeah the main storyline is basically a group of individuals fight under a corporation uh they've developed a t-virus that can turn humans into zombies basically that's the okay so science overall... gone too far yeah science gone so too... my my segue works woo <laughs> To a certain degree, yes. <laughs> to a certain degree, <laughs> but um, yeah. So yeah, this came out after um after so many stories about um Resident Evil coming out, and also a Twitter post saying that oh yes, Resident Evil is come um Resident Evil script is out. So as I put the link up there, and so yeah, the streaming platform is announcing on August 20, 2020 that the scripted live action was in active development, helmed by Supernatural producer and co-showrunner Andrew Dabb. And um, one website had one website has leaked a lot of um, details about the about the um, the story. And I will say this: live action adaptations of games don't go well. They don't go well. I'll say this. Detective Pikachu, I rest my case. <laughs> oh, but Detective Pikachu wasn't really based on a game, though. Yeah, okay. Sonic. <laughs> People liked Sonic. Same thing. Didn't base it. Well, yeah, yeah, you got, yeah, yeah. 
I know that's a that, that's a bit of a yeah, it wasn't really part of a game per se, but it was but it is part of the game franchise. But yeah, so um, the director did did say some interesting comments though. He so he basically said. So I'm a massive fan of Resident Evil. My first foray into the franchise was RE4. And my favorite game of last year was the RE2 remake. I'm also unbelievably excited about RE3 in a few months. Uh, We won't talk about RE6 and Umbrella Core. So when this script came across my desk, I had to write about it. Netflix making a high budget of faithful adaptation of the games should make up for the travesty that was the film adaptations. Oh, <laughs> and uh, he keeps on going saying, well, yes and no. If you're looking for a beat to beat translation of the video games into television form, this isn't it. Oh, <laughs> OK. So, yeah, he's just going to go and make an inspired by. Yeah, and he keeps on going by saying, but if you're looking for a substantial original story that takes elements from the video games, and make something with a hell of a lot of promise, maybe this is worth a watch. When it hits the streaming um, giant soon, this is my overview of the pilot of Netflix's Resident Evil adaptation. One, so the, like I said, so someone who leaked this out. Um, so the series follows two sisters, or should I say two half-sisters, Jade and Billy Wesker. Yes, your, your, you fans read this right, Wesker. Both biological daughters of Albert Wesker, both born of different surrogate mothers. I'm these, sure that means something. Yeah. These, <laughs> I'll these, be honest, I've only ever played uh, Resident Evil 2, so... Uh, have, you got the re- have you got the remake yet? Yeah, that was the one I played. Ah, okay. okay. The remake is pretty damn good for a remake. Yeah. Like, I, I usually go into remakes thinking this is going to be a bit of shit, but mm. um, I thought it held up. Like, I don't know if it holds up to the original. But as a standalone, it holds up pretty well. So, uh, yeah, they explain their births with certainty worth knowing Wesker from the games. I find the origin suspicious, to say the least. I have to say, however, I find them significantly compelling characters to lead a series. Uh, Jade is a wise-cracking vulgar girl who is simultaneously charming and annoying to people around her. She seems to make friends rather quickly and is incredibly friendly. Uh, yeah. Uh, in direct contrast to her sister, Billy, who is antisocial shy, she also has a crippling anger management problem. The dynamic between these two is central to the series, balancing both love and hate classic sibling rivalry and their differing perspectives on their father cre- on their father creates some interesting conflict for some for the show to explore. Albert himself is an intriguing element to the Resident Evil as well as as well, but I'll get more into that later. So basically, okay. it's like teen angst. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah. we're gonna make a teen drama out of this. I'm like, yeah, uh, teen drama based on a classic horror game. I'm <laughs> sure that'll be excellent. <laughs> um, so it it goes on to say the past timeline takes place in 2022, the year of the outbreak, and follows the Wesker family. They move into new get out of get out is um out utopian town the town is ominously ret- renamed rip raccoon 2 and uh um, okay. and they oh and they go on to um their father who's albert wesker albert wesker they change here's the funny part albert wesker is a one-of-a-kind employee of umbrella and is quite different into the show that than in the games 
His dynamic of ruthless businessman and father trying to do his best but failing is very interesting and makes his character very engaging. He's in his 60s, an older I mean, generation. Isn't that the uh, the plot of Resident Evil 2? The, um, the little girl and the her parents were workers at the Raccoon City facility. Yeah, but Albert Whisker wasn't wasn't the the dad though. No, that was um whatever his name was. But like the the parents were that they were the trying to get ahead in their career and their little girl and sounds just like that. Yeah, um, he's in his older sixties, an older gentleman. He has a dark past with Umbrella that will be revealed in later episodes. He also strangely extracts his daughter's blood every fortnight for tests, inverted commas. God knows what that means in reality. So, like, when I read read that, I'm going, oh my God, they just changed Albert Wesker's character from, like, a mega psychotic villain to a sympathetic man. That happens all the time. I'm like, Big budget shows, they're like, you need to have a sympathetic character. Yeah, but Albert Wesker, though, really? Like, Wesker's an evil bastard. Yeah, they don't care. <laughs> like, that that's... The fans love Albert Wesker as a badass. Like, they love him for it. Changing this one, just... You just entirely changed the, the whole story. And yeah. you're just pissing the fans off <laughs> as a result. No one really cares, though, so... Yeah. The fans care, but the people who make it don't. Yeah, so... Um, what else did they say? Oh, yeah, and th- here's another interesting one for you. This isn't the adaptation of Resident Evil you were expecting, but it's very well maybe one of the one you end up loving. I likened it to HBO's brilliant adaptation of Watchmen, albeit not nearly as significantly or thematically rich. It's a yeah. Unique- <laughs> so I'm hoping it'll just turn out to be a good zombie show. <laughs> like, uh, it's not going to be a-, a Resident Evil show, really, if they're not doing the characters right. But it'll be a zombie show, and they're kind of a guilty pleasure. I know they're hugely oversaturated, but, but yeah. Like, if you want to win your, fr- it, it here's a problem. If you want to, if you want your fans to love your work, you have to respect the source material. And what they're doing here, it's just basically, oh, we're just gonna use the source material, but not a lot of it. It's just cherry picking the source material. Again, they don't care. Yeah, they, I know. They, they make care. money off this. They don't care about respecting the fans. If they yeah. think they can make more money doing this the other way, they'll do it. And it's entirely possible they will make more money of, from doing it this way. Maybe they'll get really lucky and they'll make something better than either the games or the movies. Yeah. And uh, to top it all off, this is what the director also says. Um, pe- people uh, might argue that a straight adaptation of Resident Evil 1, 2, 3, or 4 would have been better. But I'm still, but I'm still intrigued by what they have set up with the, with this pilot. Little has been revealed about this project since its initial announcement, so I hope to shed some light on what it might, what it will be, or what, or maybe put some uh, some of you at ease. So I'm going, ah, oh, really though? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, oh, and uh, for those who are still fans of it. Uh, the director points out we do still see a minor character from the games making a small appearance in the episode, but uh, it'll be that it, guy in the background of that one scene. Yeah, but they seem to have altered quite a bit and only resemble the source material ostensibly. Key emphasis on the word ostensibly. Okay, 
But quit reading the article. Tell us what you really think. Uh, I just think this is this is just going to be another. Sh- it, it's just going to be another shit show. Like Watchmen when and HB when HBO Watchmen came out, there was a lot of hype for it. Like, yeah, this is going to be Watchmen. They're going to copy. They're going to be. It's going to be another ad. It's it's going to be another um straight beat for beat adaptation. But no, it didn't. It, it didn't. It was just another. It, it was just they just slapped on the Watchmen name and. Not everything has to be a straight adaptation. I mean, the Snowpiercer um, comics, movie, and television show are all different uh, timelines, and they're all good. Metro, uh, games, books, upcoming movie, all different plots, all been good so far. We haven't seen the movie yet, so, you know. I mean, the point I'm trying to make is that, yeah, sure, okay, anyone can make adaptation, but they... even if they don't like um, do it beat for beat, if they kept the themes consistent and don't flip around with the characters, then you 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 could win a lot. You could win a lot of people. Like this is just straight up like changing like, one badass to just oh I'm I'm a sympathetic person. I'm feel sorry for me. I'm like really really dude. Okay. But yeah, that's that's my gripe with it and. <laughs> I know people are going to call me out on it and say like, oh, you're not accepting the big picture, which is money and stuff. But yeah, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I, I like us. I, I like things if they're stuck to this, if they're stuck to the source material. And if, and if it doesn't cheese off the, if it doesn't antagonize the fan base, it's, it's much better. That's my gripe. All right. Well, something else that's really upset the fans. Destiny 2 is locking away the first two years of its content before um, Season 4 comes out, they've announced that they're going to lock away the first two years of content and basically start from scratch with just Year 3. Ah, what? Yeah, they're calling it vaulting. And the idea is that, although they haven't confirmed it, that they're going to do it, they've said, when we work it out, we'll bring it back. But people have paid for this content. So they paid for the base game and for the expansions. And now this... Oh, that's that bull. content is now being vaulted. Oh, that is so bull. That so that defi- so we've seen this sort of thing happening in the movie industry. Now it's happening to the gaming industry. Yep. Ah. And they didn't advertise it. Like I don't play Destiny, but I'm not happy about this because they didn't advertise the game like that. Like with other games, say Fortnite. Fortnite has monthly events with tie-ins to different shows and movies and whatever, hmm. or they bring bring in a special weapon, you know that's a monthly event. They don't advertise it as anything else. It's just a short-term event. They advertise Destiny as a full game, and now three years later they're taking you know two-thirds of the game as it exists now away from you. It's See, the whole thing with DLC and stuff, like... um. The problem I see with with this is that um, the DLC stuff when it comes to games, they always have a short lifespan in terms of if you do not activate this DLC within the next two years, it goes. Yeah, and then even if they they don't vault the content, they'll shut down the servers eventually. But that's kind of understandable because they you know can't afford to run the server forever theoretically. Yeah, uh, and so theoretically, there's no way for them to release the server code. They could, but it would take effort, and no one wants to put that effort in for a three-year-old game, or one-year-old sometimes in EA's case. 
but they um in this case they they're just taking the content away from you and leaving the game up so that they can sell you new content what's going to be interesting is i wonder how many people of these dlcs will try and do like a uh, sell it to the highest bidder kind of um, thing oh when they like just have it as a, a rare item that pops up on the store yeah well that's already what a lot of games do with cosmetics even Fall Guys does it, so it is possible to get all the Fall Guys content um, for free, basically, once you've bought the game. Mm. But uh, some items, so some items, mostly costumes, can only be bought by uh, by winning rounds. So every time you win a round, you get a, well, you win a, a whole line of rounds and you're the champion, you get a, a crown, which you can spend on a costume. And other things like other costumes are sold for points that you get just for participating. <clears throat> and you can buy the points you get for participating, but you can't buy the crowns. So if they published a rare item that was only going to be there for a week or whatever, and it was going for a million participation points, then that would feel like they were taking advantage of people. Whereas if it went for a million crowns, it wouldn't because you can't buy a crown. But this, um, taking away content and promising it'll maybe be back with no no plan to actually rotate it or bring it back that they're announced. What's the, what's the point? You can buy this content and they will take it away from you and then let you have it back when they feel like it. Maybe it's just to try and get rid of the miners. Like, um, you know how ca- gamers would just mine, would just do it for the, just mine for other players? Yeah, I don't think that will help with this. You reckon this will also um th- this will also be a microtransaction problem as well? Would not surprise me. I wouldn't wouldn't surprise me if at some point in the future they launch a store and ha- store and have microtransaction purchases. I don't know if they have microtransactions at the moment. Let's have a look. I think if I recall they do. But yes, they do. Yeah. Do you reckon it's? Do you reckon um, deleting this content is a way to just emphasize the fact that, hey, try our try our um, microtransactions shop? You no, because if you buy something off the uh, if you buy something off the microtransaction shop, you're not even guaranteed to still have it in a year. Now that they've made it clear that they will take items that you've spent real world money on away from you and not give it back until they decide that they've figured out how. I wouldn't buy anything off the microtransaction store. Mm. What's what if be I spend ult- 20 bucks on a cool costume and the next day they take it away from me? Oh, yeah. What's going to be interesting, though, is also when it comes to vaulting these um, game items is if they bring them back, it'll be, um, it, it would not be, the effects won't be the same. Like, let's say, for example, you get a gun in um, Destiny, Destiny and its uh, effects are like, more effective than the re-release. Yeah, so are these items that they're taking off you going to be balanced when they come back? Oh, Who knows? Be... Because um, balancing's tricky, but yeah. without a um, without constant QA and testing in the form of letting players use whatever they want, you're not going to find out what the meta is until you release the items again. But they're claiming that this is because there's not enough storage space <laughs> Isn't so, that what Pokemon said once upon a time? Uh, that was more of a it's too much effort. 
because <laughs> with Pokemon, they were getting up to a thousand characters and would need a thousand unique animations to be able to keep everything going. But um, with this, it's more of a we can't sell you more microtransactions because your hard drive's full. So we're going to take things off you so we can sell you more microtransactions. And let me guess, um, Destiny, can't they do? Can't they do what? Um... I remember a couple of games, they say, like, if you spend more, you can get more slots and stuff. Uh, like backpack space? Yeah. Well, that would... They wouldn't vault backpack space. That would be mm. dumb. Mm. They might vault a backpack, but they'd still let you keep the space. Yeah. But, you know, if I was to go and play Destiny now, I couldn't... Well, in a few weeks or a month, whenever they actually vault this... I wouldn't be able to play the game as it's intended to be played. They say they're going to make a new um, introduction mission and everything, but the they're cutting out... Most of the stuff they're cutting is early game stuff. So if you join now, you will miss out on most of the plot that's happened so far. So basically they're... they're so basically they're restarting the universe again. Kind of. They're... Um, they're ditching all of the plot stuff, and they're going to retcon it, basically, to say that if you start now, you're not a brand new player in the world like you would be if you started at the, with the original mission. But you do something instead that fits in. So, you know, you're a new recruit, recruited by the original characters or whatever. Just curiously, vaulting in general, and when it comes to gaming, do you reckon it's a good practice in general, or is just a, it's just cop-out? I think it can be used well. I don't think it should be used to um, lock out content people have paid for with real-world money. You should never take away something that people spent real-world money on if you can help it. So some games shut down that people spend real-world money on. Of course, they're not going to get that money back. But um, the in this case, you're basically saying that gun you bought, can't have it. That skin, can't have it. It's not... You bought it, and now it's off the store. No one else can buy it until next time it comes up. It's nobody can have it. We will take the money, but you can't have the skin. And what's going to be even more interesting is the um what oh that that's the other thing. What's going to be even more interesting is like let's say you buy a gun off Destiny for like five bucks, let's say, and they vault that thing. Can imagine two or three years later they bring that gun back again, and it's twice the amount that you paid for. Well, you'd get the gun back, theoretically. Theoretically, you'd get the gun back because you already paid for it. You would just basically have an early bird special. Now, if they made you pay again for the uh, the gun that you already bought, that is just absolutely wrong. Yeah. And also, not to mention, like, the effects are different as well. Like, if, imagine if they told you to pay that gun again. Yeah. Could you see, I, could you see this happening with other games companies, though? Like, this, this yeah. sort of practice? Some companies already do have a vault or a rotating stock of items, but they don't take them away from you. That's yeah. the crux of this issue. They're taking away content that you paid for. So there's a big list of stuff, but uh, mostly early game content, which most players might be passed, but now new players are never going, not, not being able to experience that. As a game developer, what would you do in that situation? Uh... In terms of vaulting? Uh, well, it's a tough decision because um, the the issue is that they're claiming that it's because the hard drives are full. 
And that does make sense. Games are hitting 200 gigabytes each these days, which is nuts. Absolutely nuts. And um, like, there's that meme about the new, or well, maybe not the newest card anymore, but the one that's like 230 gig. <laughs> that's bigger than my OS drive. <laughs> um, but so it's it's hard to keep adding to a system and not come up against limits. But I think a better option here would be to um, declare the end of Destiny 2 and release a Destiny 3 because they've already done that once with Destiny 1. Hmm. They already decided this is all the content we're going to make for Destiny 1. Here's Destiny 2. And that didn't really, you know, until the servers for Destiny 1 shut down, that didn't take anything away from you. Or why not just make a Destiny classic like what happened with um, Warcraft? Yes. Although that's the other thing. If you release a Destiny 3, you can have a Destiny classic that lets people go back and explore this old content. Yeah. Although the downside with Warcraft Classic was the um, how the servers just got broken. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Um, It looks like the Destiny 1 servers still haven't shut down. Huh. So all that Destiny 1 content is still there. Your Destiny 2 content. Not anymore. It's also interesting how games company have so much reach now. I mean, back then, games companies, if you were to do that, you'd be, like, hitting FBI territory, you know? Like, uh, what the heck are you doing, man? You're not allowed to go into gamers' files and take Maybe their- not FBI territory, but this is this comes under the licensing agreement you sign when you, or you accept when you install a game store. They can't take your CDs off you. But they can take your Steam library off you. Yeah, uh, your Steam library, your Epic library, your PlayStation, Xbox Arcade, whatever. They can take that off you. So the moral of that story would be read the fine print. Yeah. There is a shrinking um, contingent of players who refuse to use online services because they don't want to lose their content ever. And that's okay for them. They, that's their choice. Couldn't they use uh, couldn't they use Smurf accounts though, just to try and get the, to bypass that situation? No, because if the if the company decides to pull the game, you're still not going to be able to play it. Hmm. A Smurf account is more useful for if you got banned. Ah, uh, okay. And that's a completely different story. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Uh, anyway, uh, what did you play this week, DJ? I played Super Circuit Breakers. Again? Again, yeah. It's it it's the top-down shooters. It's, like I said, it's it's like playing Contra. Like the whole graphic style, the whole um, shooting down aliens. It's the same style, only except from the top down rather than from the side. Fair enough. Any uh, anything to add? Uh, nothing really to add, but um as I said the whole, the whole um weapons and stuff so n- nothing really special. Okay. 
and I'm still playing Fall Guys. <laughs> I can't stop. <laughs> the temp the temptation has hit you, hasn't it? Yes. <laughs> it's just so easy to keep going. Like any other battle royale, you die, you get pissed off, and you call it a night. This one, it's just too quick and easy to keep going. What allures you to playing that game? Just curiously. It's fun. Yeah, but okay, there everyone says that it's fun, but what's the other what's the alluring thing for you? It's fairly casual. It's not a there's not really any tryhards like you get with um other multiplayer games. I mean, Fall Guys, it's it's basically a Battle Royale game from the footage I've been watching. Yeah. And it's like, okay, what's the difference between that and, like, your traditional um, F, um, games like For, um, Fortnite and um, Apex Legends and whatnot? There's a lot less time investment. There's a lot more action. There's no crawling through the bushes for 15 minutes. <laughs> and no camping. No camping. You don't get sniped. Like, if you lose, it feels fair. Most of the time, because if you get sniped from three kilometers away in PUBG, mm-hmm. you know, it, it doesn't feel fair. You get wiped out and there's not really anything you could have done to avoid it apart from not be in that line of sight. But uh, Fall Guys, you get knocked off. You can just press a couple of buttons and you're right back in and um, straight back into the action. Okay. You want any challenges yet? I have not won a full show yet. I've gotten close, very close, but never quite made it. How? Uh, what? Let me. What's the part that cheesed you off in the game? Um. Well, people are complaining that there's hackers. I haven't actually seen any yet. I think I've gotten very lucky. I saw one. Um, I was watching a live stream um, the other day where someone was playing the Fall Guys, and he was flying on across the screen, like literally flying. I'm like. What the hell? <laughs> yeah. Can you actually fly in this game? <laughs> no. I'm told that happens, but I haven't actually run into it. At least not that I've ever noticed. There's a couple of game types where um, I wouldn't notice because of the, the camera angles, but I've never seen anyone just like shoot ahead of a, a race or anything. But yeah, still, the, still the biggest flaw is that the team games are designed so that... Um, you end up with the two winning teams ganging up on the losing team since you only need to not come last. Yeah. And in some other modes, you could go AFK for the first two minutes of the match. <laughs> it really only comes down to the last five seconds for a lot of them, especially uh, tail tag. So I think um, game types like tail tag need to swap the have possession at the end of the timer for a, um, a count up. So when you have possession, it counts up points. And then um, whoever has the most points at the end of the time will wins. I found this interesting website, uh, four, four Guys Hack Cheats in 2020. Quick review of the speed hack and flying hack. Oh, Lord. <laughs> okay, then. <laughs> yeah, I've never seen one, so maybe I'm just lucky. So I love that they're advertising... 2020 cheats for a game that's been out for a month. <laughs> <clears throat> so what do you rate uh, Super Circuit Breakers? Um, last time it was 3.5, if I recall. Yeah, 3.5 out of 5. So. Okay. I'm giving yep. Fall Guys 4 out of 5. The last point that would make it absolutely amazing is more game types. Kill the bloody perfect match one. 
because mm-hmm. no one ever goes out on it, um, and make the possession game types a count up rather than a possession at end of timer. Or maybe make it more like musical chairs. You don't know when the uh, the timer is going to go off, but if you don't have possession at the timer, you're out. And then have people fight over dwindling resources. There's a few things I could think of. Hmm. Just curiously, if you want the... another game designer, guys, hire me. <laughs> <laughs> He's ready and willing. Uh, just curiously, so in, with the Fall Guys game, so you got like multiple opponents and stuff. Are they all AI, or is it just all different players? Yeah, and I've never spent more than a minute waiting on a a match. In fact, I've sold 7 million copies on Steam alone. (laughs) So there are some latency issues during peak hours as well, but um, yeah, the player count is still pretty damn high. So we'll be back in a moment with our show note. So we'll be back in a moment with our shout outs. There we go. We can put in uh, an ad break here. Okay. Huh. Just as a uh, an experiment, since you've just been throwing them in kind of randomly. Yeah, yeah. So we'd actually lead into it and see that there's something coming up next. Anyway, fucking show notes moved. Where am I? Where am I? Shout outs under I the know. Per- under the I know. pyramid. I found it. Oh, good. <clears throat> so for our shout outs this week, on the 27th of August, the Scooby-Doo co-creator Joe Ruby passed away at 87. Joe Ruby and his partner Ken Spears created Scooby-Doo along with uh, Dynomutt and Jabberjaw. His grandson said he never stopped writing and creating even as he aged. Scooby-Doo was first launched on CBS in 1969. It launched as a gentler series in response to complaints about violence in cartoons. At one point, the, uh, the characters were members of a rock band before they settled on the uh, Mystery Crew. Mystery Inc., actually. Um, On the 28th of August 2020, Chadwick Boseman passed away at 43 from colon cancer. Chadwick played uh, Jackie Robinson and James Brown and was probably most famous for his role as Black Panther. And even though he was only in half a dozen movies, uh, most of his movies came out in the time that he was going through surgery and chemotherapy for his illness. I will say that is one brave man. Yeah, and playing a like playing a, a tough guy, an action hero, while going through chemo is pretty impressive. His last performance is in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, which will uh, finish shooting and will come out in the future. Oh, but you know what's distra- you know what's crazy about uh, um with, Ch- with Chadwick Boseman? Now people are on social media going, so is there going to be a Black Panther two? Uh, probably not. If it is, it's going to be a bit of a spin-off about um about one of the other characters taking on the role. And yeah. actually, I noticed now I said half a dozen roles. That's uh, I've just looked up the filmography. It was quite a few more. I was under the impression that he hadn't been in many since um most of them came out while he was getting treatment. Yeah, and, and um yeah, I with the Black Panther. I don't think that like I would like to see um someone take up the mantle. Like you know how they did with Heath Ledger as the Joker. Like everyone was saying, like, oh, no one should take Heath Ledger's role as the Joker. Yeah, I saw. Um, apparently in the comics, uh, what's the girl's name? Shuri. Shuri. Yeah, Shuri. Yeah, she took uh the the role of Black Panther in the comics. 
So maybe they'll use her as the fill-in for a future Black Panther stories. Would be the option. Um, yeah, man. And uh, what was it the other uh, two days ago? Um, oh, no, actually not two days ago. Yesterday, Marvel came out with their video with their video tribute of um Chadwick Boseman. I will say this. Um, it was very beautiful to see the um to see that tribute. Yeah, I've heard some good things about it. Yeah. Uh, I will say this. Wakanda forever! Wakanda forever! <laughs> yes, and uh, if you do feel like you have issues with your bowels, please get checked out because colon cancer is relatively treatable. Uh, on the 31st of July 2020, one of the Sega arcades in Akihabara closed down after 17 years. This was the Sega Akihabara Building 2 arcade. There are three others. Um, uh, this one had a recognizable staircase and featured uh, their favorite Sega characters staring up at the Man- Mansibashi Bridge. I shouldn't try to pronounce uh, Japanese when I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> On to our remembrances. On the 31st of August, 17. I shouldn't try to do remembrances when I'm tired either. <laughs> now I'm yawning. On the 31st of August, 1795, Francois Andre Danikin Philidor referred to as Andre Danikin Philidor, was a French composer and chess player. He was also a part of the early development of Opera Comique. Along with being the best chess player of his age, uh, he wrote the book Analyse the Dure des Echecs. Have you pronounced chess in French? Which is a standard chess menu for at least half a century. He has an opening move and a checkmate method named after him. Philidor also played chess against Benjamin Franklin. He died at the age of 68 in London. On the 31st of August, 1811, Louis-Antoine de Bougainville, a French admiral and explorer, a contemporary of James Cook, Louis took part in the Seven Years' War in North America and the American Revolutionary War against Britain. Yeah, look at that. The, um, the French went and helped the Americans revolt against Britain. And then during the World Wars, they were like, Oh, Britain, save us! <laughs> Not quite how it goes. My uh, history lectures are very simplified. <laughs> Bougainville com- completed a circumnavigation of the globe in a scientific expedition in 1763, settled on the Falkland Islands in the first settlement on the islands, and voyaged into the Pacific Ocean. Bougainville in Papua New Guinea and the Bougainvillea flower are named after him. Bougainville was only the 14th navigator and first Frenchman to sail around the world. On the 31st of August, 1869, Mary Ward passed away. Mary was the first person to die in an automobile incident. She was an Irish naturalist, astronomer, microscopist, author, and artist. While riding an an experimental steam car built by her cousins, she fell under the wheels and was killed. It's um, a bit tragic, really, being the first. Someone had to, but... Someone with such scientific knowledge being the first casualty of an automobile fatality. Yeah. But uh, her best-known descendants include Lala Ward, who played Romana in Doctor Who. On to the birthdays on the 31st of August, 1663, Guillaume Amontons, a French scientific instrument inventor and physicist. He pioneered the study of friction. He improved the barometer, hygrometer, and thermometer, particularly for use at sea, demonstrated an optical telegraph and proposed the use of a water clock for keeping time on a ship at sea, which shipboard timekeeping is fairly 
complicated, or at least at the time it was. You couldn't use a traditional grandfather-style clock because the swaying of the ship would disrupt the force of gravity pulling the pendulum down and throw out your timekeeping, which is an issue because uh, navigation relies on accurate timekeeping. His estimates established that a pressure of a gas increases by roughly one-third between the temperature of cold and the temperatures of cold. What does that mean, DJ? Hmm? He said the pressure increases by one-third between the temperatures of cold and the boiling point of water. How cold is cold? Ooh, uh, absolute, not absolute zero. No, the Wikipedia page just says cold in italics. <laughs> what does this mean? <laughs> is this a, a mistranslation? Uh, I, I would, I, that would be another rabbit hole. <laughs> I mean, one heck of a rabbit hole. I will give you that. Amonton's uh, speculated that a complete lack of that incredibly low temperatures would cause a complete lack of pressure. He estimated that at negative 240 degrees Celsius. Absolute zero is actually negative 273.15 Celsius or zero Kelvin. He invented a hot air engine in 1869, more than a century before the better known Stirling engine. On the 31st of August, 1925, Moran Campbell, Edward James Moran Campbell. No, that name isn't just what I call the DJ when he screws up the show notes. As <laughs> a Canadian physician and academic, he founded the chair of the Department of Medicine at McMaster Faculty of Health Science. He also invented the Venturi mask. This mask is used a, uh, as a replacement for the intermittent oxygen treatment, which he described as bringing a man, drowning man to the surface occasionally. The Venturi mask is an improved method of providing a um, oxygen flow and if you take a look at the photo in the Wikipedia article, it shows up on all sorts of medical use these days. He lived in Hamilton, Ontario, where he fought for the protection of bike paths in the city. He was born in Yorkshire. And on the 31st of August, 1953, Pavel Vinogradov, a cosmonaut and former commander of the ISS, he flew into space three times on Mir and the International Space Station and is in the top 10 for total time in space. He's done seven spacewalks and is the oldest person to ever perform a spacewalk. Unfortunately, the um, event was cancelled, but during his first spacewalk, he was due to hit a golf ball into space as part of an agreement between the Russian Space Agency and a Canadian golf equipment company. Didn't someone try to do a, go uh, a golf swing in the moon at one point? Yeah, I don't remember. Was it Alan? I think so. Wait, give me a second. I, I thought it was Alf um, Aldrin. No, it was Alan Shepard. Ah. Yeah, and uh, he hit the ball. Um, like, he snuck the balls and the club onto the moon. NASA said, you can't take that. And he was like, I'll take what? <laughs> We're going to a tunnel. I can't, I can't hear you. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so he smuggled in a uh, the golf balls and a modified tool head to create a so that he could use a the shovel tool with a modified head for from a golf club. It's a great photo, though. It, why does this remind me? Of, it, it reminds me of Red Dwarf when um, Rimmer and Lister did the play golf on a planetoid. Yeah, that's probably where they got the inspiration from. <laughs> Don't they like knock the planet into the sun or something? Nah, nah that was um th that was the play that was when Lister played pool. 
This one was basically oh, yes. um, so Rima hits the ball and the ball goes all around the planet and goes back. And Lister takes the ball and hides in his pocket while Rima is looking for the ball. Oh yes, <laughs> Red the Wolf's great. Oh yeah. Onto the uh, events of interest. On the 31st of August, 1888, Mary Ann Nichols, the first of Jack Ripper's confirmed victims, was murdered. At 3.40am, a man named Charles Allen Cross discovered what he thought was a tarpaulin, but was actually the body of Mary. He informed the constable, saying, She looks to me to be either dead or drunk, but for my part, I believe she's dead. (laughs) I know medical science wasn't as great back then as it was now, but... I feel like I'd do a pretty good job of telling whether someone was actually dead or not. <laughs> what are we going to do next? Oh, let's poke it with a stick. <laughs> it's not like a couple of teenagers going like, hey, we found a dead body, let's poke it with a stick. And then it goes, oh, I know what you did last summer. <laughs> On the 31st of August, 1895, German Count Ferdinand von Zeppelin, what a great name, patented the navigable balloon. Von Zeppelin worked on uh, various lighter-than-air travel, leading to this invention, which was basically the modern Zeppelin. He also described an airship consisting of flexible sec- sections called the... I'm not going to say that in German, but the steerable airship train with several carrier structures arranged one behind another. <laughs> and our last one for tonight, on the 31st of August, 1897... Thomas Edison patents the kinetoscope, the first movie projector. There's some interesting uh, drama about the inventors of of movie cameras. Like, one of the French inventors, I don't remember his name, seems to have vanished from a train with no evidence of what happened to him. (laughs) And there's conspiracy theories that Edison had him knocked off. So Edison's movie studio relied on sunlight so he had to rotate the building to capture the best sunlight, and his first film showed three of his workers pretending to be blacksmiths. Ah, here we go. Yes, French inventors Louis and Auguste Lumaire, who invented a movie camera and projector. um, Lumaire, I think, was the one who disappeared. One of those two. Uh, I've got here Louis Le Prince. Le Prince? Okay. I could be completely wrong then. Yeah. Yeah, Le Prince was never able was never able to perform a planned demonstration in the U.S. But because he mysteriously vanished, his last known to be boarding a train on 16th of September 1890. The reason for his disappearance is not known, and his family and supporters invented a series of conspiracy theories, including a murder set up by Edison, secret homosexuality, intentional disappearing in order to start a new life. And a murder by his brother over his, over their mother's will. <laughs> yes, Man. it's a great story. Unfortunately, um, real life is rarely that interesting, and he probably <laughs> killed himself. But I do like the idea that Edison was going around knocking off rivals back then. Well, he has a penchant of suing people as well. <laughs> yeah, but that's all we have for tonight. Where can they find us, DJ? They can find us on um, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, that's our canon where we have an archive of our old episodes. Uh, they can also find us on Pod Hero. Yes, for $5 a month, you can support us and other podcasts. With your subscription being split among the podcasts based on how much you listen to each one. And if you check out That's Not Canon, you can find the newest member of the That's Not Canon family. 
space junk with Annie Handmer, which is a messy mix of things Annie finds interesting, mostly about space. Will she ever find a penguin in space? Don't tell her. That's our discovery. <laughs> they can. Oh, and also uh, they can find. I think I might have said they they can find us on Spotify and iTunes. I think as well. you did. Okay. Anyway, that's all we have for this week. Uh, keep yourself safe, stay hydrated, and we will see you next week. See you guys. Here we go. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.